Hey everyone, we hope you're having a great week. My name is Eric Johnson, and along with my wife Candace, we are the lead pastors of Studio. We are based in Greenville, South Carolina, and we just want to take a moment and say hello and say thanks for listening to this podcast. So with that, let's get right to it. All right, good evening. How is everyone today? We just have to take care of some important business right now. And what's going on here? Argentina won the World Cup. Oh, you want a Messi? Why don't you stand up? Turn around. Look at this. Messi. How many actually watched the game? How many of you were stressed out? Totally stressed out. It made me so thankful that our gatherings are in the afternoon, evening, so we could actually watch the entire game. I've been in the church my whole life, and you know how many sports games I've missed on Sundays? It's ridiculous. I mean, championship game, game seven, World Cup. I mean, so many games over the years. So it was such a treat to sit in the comfort of my own home, and there was no pressure. I had plenty of time to show up here on time and not feel like I was, you know, doing something wrong almost. (laughs) And for those of you that don't know what happened, today's game will go down as one of the classic World Cup final games. It was remarkable. And uh, I don't want to... If you have nothing else to do this week, just go watch the replay. It was phenomenal. I will probably watch the replay. It was so good. But the thing that I think the entire world, except for France, France lost, which is good. I'm glad they need to lose. They need to lose. They won last time, you know, and, but that doesn't matter. What matters is Messi. Messi got his World Cup finally, and one of the greatest football soccer players ever to play the game. He finally got his World Cup trophy today. So I am happy, and anybody else happy about that? Yeah. You know what, I'm actually encouraged. I only thought Jacob's hand was gonna go up about the game today, and Matt, but there was actually 20 to 30 people. I think it's improving. The sports culture here (laughs) is finally improving here. Please, we got to keep this momentum. Jacob, help me out. Everyone, wear jerseys every Sunday, okay? <laughs> I, I'm actually going to start wearing jerseys because the sports culture is, uh, uh, I could, you know, I'm going to take an entire month and do a series on sports. <laughs> this is not an exaggeration. When Kobe Bryant died, I did an entire message on Kobe Bryant. An entire message. It was so good. Probably my personal favorite message of all time. So I have no problem talking about sports, so who knows? I might just make a, make a week out of it. So anyways, Argentina, congratulations. I don't know if we have any Argentinians in here, but if so, we are happy, happy for your nation, happy for your people. We got some great friends down there, and I've been to Buenos Aires a number of times, and the downtown is this massive plaza, and I saw images this morning or this afternoon, depending on what time zone you're in, and the, the place is ballistic. I mean, the whole country is ballistic. I think I heard them cheer from here. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, it's Christmas month, and we're going to continue our conversation around Christmas. And a couple of interesting did you know I wanted to share with you. I thought this was fascinating. Did you know when you read the word Xmas, like it's the short of writing Christmas, it actually, the word actually dates back to the 1500 and gets its roots from the Greek letter X. 
which is the first letter in the Greek word for Christ. So when people thought they were shortcutting the word, taking Christ out, they're actually putting it back in. So I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Totally different point, but fake trees. According to the American Christmas Tree Association, how many knew that existed? I did not know that existed. (laughs) I have no idea how big it is, but apparently there's an association. Nearly 94 million households displayed a Christmas tree in 2020, and a whopping 85% of those trees are artificial. So my question today is how many of you are still doing real trees in your home? Okay, all right. Did you know that North Carolina is one of the highest producing Christmas tree states in the nation? I didn't know that either. I'm learning so much. I learned there's the American Christmas Tree Association. And how many of you do electric, uh, not electric trees, electric trees, yeah. How many do electric trees? How many do artificial trees? How many don't do trees at all? Because some of you didn't raise your hand for either of them. Okay, all right, no trees. In Japan, there's a Christmas tradition in Japan. An estimated 3.6 million Japanese families treat themselves to Kentucky fried chicken <laughs> at Christmas time. According to the BBC, it started with a 1974 marketing campaign called Kentucky for Christmas. And it eventually morphed into a nationwide tradition. So, such a weird did you know. How many of that movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Believe it or not, that Christmas classic completely bombed at the box office. It just didn't fly. It wasn't until 1974. I have no idea what, don't tell me why. When when its copyright expired and television networks could air it for free, then it cemented itself as one of the most beloved Christmas classics of all time. One in three men wait till Christmas Eve to do their shopping. I would like those men to identify themselves right now. Proudly, stand up if that's you, like stand up. Only one of you stood up. Okay, a few of you. Here we go, here we go, all right. Hey, we gotta get the job done. White elephant gifts. Have you ever wondered about the origination of white elephant gifts? In Asia, white elephants were considered holy, but pricey to keep. Ezra Cornell adapted that term for Christmas gift at gathering. No value to owner, but may have value for others. So that's how white elephant gifts started. If you have your Bible, why don't you turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2. Go ahead and open your apps up. We're going to start by reading a beautiful passage about our King Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verses 1. We're going to read all the way through verse 7. If you don't have a Bible near you, or you don't have an iPhone or a phone of any type that has an app, then scoot down or peek over the shoulder of the person in front of you. And why don't we read this together this morning as we are seven days away from Christmas. Let's start in verse 1 of chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem 
Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, we, we love moments. We love dates. We love, we love to take a time and, and symbolically place them into our calendar or into our timeline. You know, March 15th, 1976, is a really special day to me because it's when my, my wife was born, the person I love the most in life. And every year, March 15th, it's about her. It's about celebrating her life, celebrating the fact that she's alive and celebrating the fact of what she's done for all of us and what in my marriage with our daughter. It's just all about Candace. Now, some of you are really successful in taking your birthday and making it about a whole month of celebrating you. I, it, it's like this phenomenon that's happened in the last few years. Some of you are like, it's my birthday month. I'm like, I didn't know that was a thing. But some of you are really successful at that, and you've created an entire ecosystem around the fact that you want to take a 30 days to celebrate the fact that you were alive. No one else thought of that. You thought of it for yourself. And so if that's you, do not identify yourself. <laughs> but I am now going to make the month of May my entire birth month, because I think that's the coolest thing in the world. So, but we like to take days, we like to put them in our life and, and, and to celebrate. And so, did you know that Jesus was not born on December 25th? He was not born on December 25th. December 25th wasn't, wasn't even existing when Jesus came around. It wasn't even a reality. So why do we pick December 25th? It wasn't until 336 AD that Constantine said, you know what? Since I've made Christianity the major religion in the Roman Empire and accepted, remember, it was a friend. We've talked about this in the last few months. It was this fringe rogue belief system that a man named Jesus came and, and led them, and he eventually died and disappeared, according to most people. And Constantine was convinced this is no longer just a fringe rogue group of believers group of beliefs. It's actually, this is the major religion. So Constantine embraced it. And that's when he signed the letter of the Edict of Milan in 313 AD. So by the time we get to 336 AD, Constantine wanted to establish a holiday in the calendar that would acknowledge the fact that Jesus was born. So he picked December 25th. He just picked it. So many different theologians and scholars tell us that not when Jesus was born, it was some other time. But the point is simply this. We pick a day out of our calendar to celebrate the life of Jesus. And we're making it a month. We're like, Jesus, you deserve an entire month of December. He deserved every moment of our life, but that's why a few weeks ago, to let's kick off the Christmas season because we want to acknowledge the, the essence of our faith wrapped up in a man named Jesus. We, wanna, we want to acknowledge our leader. We want to acknowledge the one that we follow, that we give our life to, that we give our soul to, that we surrender everything to. We want to acknowledge that. And today, I want to draw our attention back to Jesus once again. I want to do it every Sunday, every time we gather. I want to draw our attention to Jesus, especially in a world that is losing its ability to identify who Jesus is. I want us to continue to draw our attention back to Jesus. So December 25th is seven days away. Why don't you take a moment, and if you're an introvert, I apologize. You're just going to have to become extrovert and at least fake it for a second. 
Uh, I want you to tell the person next to you, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? Keep it really short. No long stories. Just sum it up in a few words. It could be that breakfast that morning. It could be something. Just take a moment and tell the person next to you, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? Okay, now let the other person share their favorite tradition. Okay, let's turn our attention back up front. Last week we talked about the great interruption. We talked about how Jesus came and he interrupted the human story. He interrupted your story. And we posed three questions. If you weren't here, you can go get it on the podcast. But we posed three questions last week. And it was, is God moving towards you? Is he moving away from you? Or is he static? And we talked about God interrupt the human story. He interrupted the timeline, the narrative, the story, and completely, completely flipped it up on its own head. And not only that, to make it personal, he interrupted your story, and he continues to interrupt your story. The fact that Jesus came the way he came is very intriguing to me. Have you ever wondered why, why he came so discreetly? Why, did Jesus, why didn't he come a little bit more higher profile? Why didn't he come in such a way that the entire world could recognize, oh, this is the Messiah, this is the one. But instead, he showed up as an infant born by a woman named Mary in a very interesting way of getting pregnant. And Jesus came. I mean, if it's hard enough to believe in Jesus, it's hard enough to believe how he came. That's why it requires faith. And so Jesus comes in this low profile, very discreetly, very under the radar, so much so that most of humanity had no idea he was born. Have you ever wondered why? Like, why why did he show up that way? Why couldn't it be a grander entrance? Why couldn't it have just been a little bit like, you know, some form of, you know, God writing on the sky saying, this is my son? Or at least speaking to all of humanity, hey, go to Bethlehem. Jesus showed up, the Messiah. But he did none of that. So all he did was tell three wise men who worked for Herod, who was a part of the Roman Empire. And Herod was not a good guy because we find out later he was so driven by jealousy, he went on to kill as many male boys. So Jesus tells, God tells three wise men who are very wealthy, and they begin to travel They begin to travel to where they were instructed. And most of us are familiar with the story, but the the Bible says there was a star that showed up. Showed up, and they followed the star. And when the star stopped moving, then they knew they've arrived. And so God decided to tell three wise men. And when they showed up to the birth of Jesus, and they looked upon this baby boy in a manger, in a feeding trough for animals, They looked at the baby and they said, this is the one. And they gave these elaborate, expensive gifts. 
which is beautiful because scholars tell us that one of the reasons why they gave him gift was honor and to acknowledge and respect, but it actually gave Mary and Joseph a financial means to take care of the baby. It's beautiful how God just put generosity in the hearts of wise men to give. And then God said, I need to tell some more people. So he goes out to the everyday working man in the field. And the everyday working blue-collar person of that day were shepherds. And he shows up, not just him, but he sends an entire cast of angels to show up in a field. Imagine being a shepherd. You have no clue. You're just doing your own thing. And all of a sudden, angels show up. Not just one, not just two, but an entire group of them. Imagine what that sounded like. I mean, we have amazing people in this room that know how to sing, but imagine what it was like to hear the angels sing. And they weren't just pushing autoplay and repeat. They were singing a song that hadn't been sung yet. Imagine that. Imagine being in that field that night, just doing your job, and all of a sudden a song is being sung. The vibrations are going through not just the human ear, but the entire universe about the arrival of a king. Imagine what that was like. I I can't help but feel the deep emotion of what it was like just to listen to these angels sing about the king arriving. And they celebrated. And they showed up and said, this is the one. But besides that, this is a pretty low-profile entrance. I mean, it's really low profile. And it's proven to be low profile because by the time Jesus became of age, people still didn't think it was him. Like, this, this isn't the Messiah. This isn't, this, there's no way this is him. So Jesus came. Have you ever wondered why? Because if he would have come higher profile, he would have never been able to live a normal life. And why is this important? I want you to understand. I want you to hold on to this just for a second. He would have never been able to live a normal life. Now, I'm going to try to paint a picture. I don't know if it'll make sense to you. It makes sense to me, but most of you should know a man named Tiger Woods. Now, Tiger Woods, if you don't know who Tiger Woods is, he's, if not, the greatest golfer of all time, right alongside Jack Nicklaus. Again, the argument will go on way past their lifetimes. But Tiger Woods has a son named Charlie. Now, Charlie, as you would guess, is an incredible golfer at 13 years old. It's stupid. I am actually angry about it. (laughs) It is entirely, it is so frustrating to me how he is so good at golf. I'm not exaggerating. It makes me angry. Sort of. (laughs) Because I'm not that good. That's what I'm trying to get at. But you see, Charlie will never have a normal childhood. Why? Because his dad is Tiger. And everyone is watching him play golf. See, when you're brought into the world with high profile, you don't have a normal life. Nothing's real. Everything is handed to you in some regard. So I have a suspicion that God sent his son Jesus low profile so he could live a normal life and know what it feels like to be a human. I want you to understand this. If you don't think Jesus doesn't know how to relate to you, you're missing the point. Jesus knows exactly what it means to be human. 
He knowed every situation. He'd been through the same scenarios, even times a million than what we have gone through. But if he came in high profile, he would have never had that experience. I can't help but wonder if God, like, I want him to experience what it means to be a normal human being, at least for his childhood. And we actually lose track of Jesus from the age of 12 to 30. We don't know what goes on. All we know, he grew up. So what's my point in just taking a little bit of a rabbit trail is to this. He knows exactly what it means to be you. In fact, he knows it more than you. Could it cost him his life? But we're not talking about the death and resurrection. That's in April when Easter's around. <laughs> we're going to stay on his birth. So he came. And why did he come? He came because sin had vandalized shalom. And because there was a vandalism of shalom, Jesus came and said, I need to restore peace. I need to restore something that's been lost because of sin. So we know he came low profile and he came because he wanted to restore peace. He wanted to create a pathway for you to step into peace that he represents and he is. There's an old carol. It's one of my favorite Christmas carols. It's Holy Night. It's just one of those ones that when you read it, it just kind of, it messes me up. And I'm going to read a portion of the song to you. I'm not going to sing it. That is not my skill set. Unless I'm by myself. And man, I know how to sing. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Still he appeared and the spirit felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices. O oh, night divine, the night when Christ was born. O oh, night, O oh, holy night, O oh, night divine. Do yourself a favor this weekend. Drive by our offices on 8 Lowest Avenue. And our wonderful Kylie over here, she did some window art that is honestly, it's impressive. She paints this beautiful scene, this very Christmas uh, theme, but part of this song is on the window. And the song, the part of the song I want you to just kind of latch onto right now is a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. You know, hope is an interesting virtue. You know when you have it, and you can tell when you don't have it. How many have ever ran into someone that has a lot of hope? And then how many have ever experienced someone that has none? You see, hope is a very interesting virtue. It's, it's this thing that's so innate in us. It's, it's inside of us, and, and yet it's hard to like quantify. On what we know of hope, it's an expectation of something. Plato actually said hope is the, it's your belief of the future. It's what you believe will happen in the future. And so hope is this fascinating thing because you know when you have it, but you know when you don't have it. And it's, it's a result of an expectation that you create. And so how that expectation is created depends on a few factors. It's when you don't have something or you don't possess something, you, hold, you create hope. Or maybe you're oppressed or you're under something 
or you're in the negative, then you have the ability to create hope for a brighter future. Or maybe you're in so deep, you've exhausted every mean to try to get out, and you can't. Hope is really valuable in that moment. Another way that you create hope is you've worked really hard and you hope it pans out. You've, you've put time, you put money, you put energy, you put so much of your life into something and you're like, I hope this works. It's a lot like starting a business or starting a church or starting anything. It's like, man, I hope this works because I've given it my soul. And so hope is, is depending on a few factors. And why do we care about the future so much? Now, I've talked to some people that are like, I don't think about the future. I, I'm only in the present. And some of you are like, I only think about the past. But you, how many of you are planning to go to work tomorrow or school or go to the gym tomorrow? So you do care about your future. It's just not the strongest thing. But we actually care about the future. And the thing about our faith is that hope is, is at the essence of it. It's at the, at the core of our faith. And when you lose hope, it is really hard to get back. I don't know about you, maybe you haven't lost hope enough to experience how hard it is to get back. You can tell the health of a human soul by its ability to hope. You can tell the strength of a human soul by the strength of its hope. You can tell the strength of a human soul by the ability to have hope in the darkest moments. So hope is important. It's putting your expectation in something else. So let me ask you a question. How do you get hope back? Now, some of us have tried it. I know I have. You tried to drum it up. You're like, okay, I'm going to watch an encouraging movie. I'm going I'm to talk to somebody that will encourage me. I'm going I'm to self-talk my way back into hope. And how many understand sometimes that works, but a lot of times it just doesn't work? Because you you've experienced a loss of it. Maybe you've been wounded or you've been just experienced setback. And some of us are actually scared to hope again because we've done it so many times and it's never worked out. And some of you in this room are nodding at me because you've tried so many times and you're nervous to hope again. So you set the bar really low. Well, if it, I'll just set it here because if it doesn't happen, it doesn't hurt as much. And this is the challenge with our faith. Our faith requires hope. And if you keep setting the bar low, you don't become more alive, you become more dead. So this idea of hope is something that you must fight for. It's something that you must protect. So how do you get hope back? You surrender. You have to surrender yourself. You see, the thing with hope is when we lost it, when we don't have it anymore, or it's been diminished, we do everything in our human effort to try to stir it back up again. We go to conferences, we read books, we read movies, we listen to podcasts, we do all these things. But the one thing we often don't do is let go. Sometimes when there's no hope, we try to get more control. Sometimes when we've lost hope, we try to minimize and become control over our own little world because no one can affect it. So we get more isolated, more isolated. And I'm going to tell you tonight, the way you grow your hope or catalyze hope is you surrender. 
is when you come to God and you say, God, I'm done. There's actually a verse in the Bible, Paul talked about all prayers and supplications. It's kind of cool because that means there's different kinds of prayers. There's different pathways of prayer. There's different styles and types of prayers and even languages and approaches. But he says all supplications. What's he talking about? If you actually study the passage, what he's saying, it means to bring things to God and let go. It means to let go. Now, if you're like me, I like to take it back. I like to take it back to, I want to worry about this a little bit more. Because if I worry about it more, I can control the outcome. I can control what's going to happen because I can control this. But at that night, I realized, man, I'm exhausted. I let go of it yesterday, but I picked it back up again. So now I need to come back to God and say, God, I lay this at your feet. I am going to supplicate this. I know that sounds funny, but that's actually what it means is to let go. I'm going to let go. So as we are in the Christmas season, as we are seven days away from Christmas, I want, I want you to recognize something. In that old hymn, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And what I want to speak to today is to anyone in this room that has experienced a loss of hope. Or maybe your hope has been diminished. And, and now you're, you're at a survival stage, or survival dimension, like, I'm just going to keep it right here. But if you were to ask yourself this question, am I alive? Or am I just kind of dead? Am I, am I excited about what God's going to do? Or am I just like, I'll just see what happens. You see, in the kingdom, you're alive or you're not. Are you guys with me this evening? This is the happy message, by the way. It really is. This is Eric's version of happy. Because it's giving us the reality of you can step into the joy of the Lord. But you have to wrestle with the reality of where you're at. I don't ever want to ignore the reality and just ignore it and then just say, oh yeah, we're just happy, hopeful people. One thing I cannot stand, it actually drives me crazy, people that have fake hope. They just talk like they have hope, but in reality, if you ask the essence of what's going on in their core, they have no hope. But this is it. You have to surrender. You have to let it go. You have to pose the question, am I alive or am I not? Am I actually excited about the future? Even though I'm not in the right spot right now, I feel darkness, I feel heaviness, I feel oppression, whatever it may be. But am I excited about the future? If you're not able to anticipate, expect what God wants to do in your life, then I want to challenge you. Maybe something's broken or maybe something's wounded or something's hurt. Or maybe you've just set the bar so low you don't want to get hurt again. And I get it. I understand it. I've been waiting for a miracle in my own life for 42 years. So talk about hope. Talk about hope that hasn't happened yet. And if you ask me, has it been easy? No. There are sometimes I'm angry. Sometimes I'm sad. Sometimes I'm deeply confused. And other times I'm actually very hopeful. See, hope is the journey. But you have to surrender. You have to let it go and say, God, I put my hope in you. And this Christmas season, every Christmas season, is about putting our hope in a baby who came in the most discreet 
under the radar way ever possible. And I put my hope in that. I put my hope in the reality that he has, he holds all the promises. He holds all the keys to my future. He holds the keys to everything my soul longs for. So I know what it's like to have hope for a long time. And it feels like nothing is happening. And I understand what it's like to feel like, you know what? I'm not going to expect this right now. Maybe I shouldn't expect it. Maybe I should just stop expecting it because it's frustrating. And some of you this resonates with. Maybe you haven't had 42 years to have put your hope in something, but maybe it's been two weeks or it's been six months or it's been 10 years. I don't care. We're all human and we all put our hope in something. And when it doesn't happen after what we think it should happen, then we just lower the standard. You see, the challenge with that, you're not fully alive anymore. You just numbed yourself to ignore. And Jesus is calling us into a space to be fully alive where our hope is put in him. And I want to take a moment. I know I just went over a few minutes. I was going to land about six minutes ago, but I have the microphone, so. Thanks for listening, and we hope this talk benefits you in every way possible. For more information about Studio, you can go to studiogreenville.com or go to Instagram and look for studio.greenville. We would also love it if you would leave a review and hit those five stars. Other than that, have a great week and we'll see you soon.